1: Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, where I'll be talking with Jen Hubbard. Jen is a recruiter and talent acquisition specialist at Wallace Design Collective. We'll be talking about recruiting strategies and adaptability in the light of changes in the job market, and Jen is also going to provide some great tips on candidate sourcing relationship building and successful salary negotiations. I'm your host, Jeff Perry. I'm a leadership and career development expert, and I'm the author of the new book, The Intentional Engineer. You can find more information at jeff And this is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast brought to you by EMI, the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. Now it's time to jump into the main segment of our episode. Today, I have the pleasure of having with me Jen Hubbard. She is a Recruiter and Talent Acquisition Specialist at Wallace Design Collective. Jen, welcome to the show.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
1: I'm really excited to get your perspectives here because I think there's kind of two sides to this from our listeners. There may be people who are in companies who are trying to hire and attract talent into their organizations and and plenty of engineers who are trying to find a job or move into a, a new position. And so we really hope that your perspective can be helpful for us. But to just start off here, give us an overview of your experience in recruiting. You've spent a lot of years recruiting specifically for the AEC, Architecture, Engineering, and Construction Industry. Tell us about that and how you've enjoyed that thus far in your career.
2: So I got into recruiting in 2014 and I did some recruiting in my career before. It was dedicated full-time to staffing and recruiting, but that was my first recruiting-focused, solely recruiting-focused position. And I found myself naturally attracted to the AEC industry because especially it started out engineering and being in Oklahoma, a lot of that was manufacturing, oil and gas related. And what I found was A lot of those companies would hire a lot of people all at once, and then being cyclical, they would let go of some of those people. And so what stood out to me about the AAC industry is that they were consistently looking for the long-term fit and someone that would have longevity with the company. And those were the kinds of positions that I wanted to place candidates I was developing a relationship within. So that's how I was attracted to the AEC industry. And uh, specifically, Wallace, they were a client that I worked with. And when it came time for them to add HR and recruiting internally, I was definitely one of the first folks to raise my hand. So
1: You're enjoying yourself then. I've been doing this for a little while and, and really enjoy the industry. So obviously, whatever the industry, there are always market fluctuations in far as how companies and organizations are doing, and that affects how much they are hiring or not hiring, and we're hearing lots of news of layoffs all over industries and things like this. How do you, as a recruiter and talent acquisition professional, stay up to date with everything that's going on? And and how things are changing with the candidate market, how competitive things are or aren't, and how does this change how you approach your strategies as you do the recruiting efforts that you do?
2: It has changed a lot over the last three years for sure. There have been some polls, but really what I've noticed is the AAC industry has continued steadily along and probably most companies and most engineers that. that listen will agree that the AEC industry saw a lot of upticks in proposals and projects. So that was really fortunate. What I've noticed about the candidate market specifically is that people are a little bit more hesitant to make a move because there's a little bit of hesitancy to trust that the company is not going to hire a bunch of people and then lay them off, much like that cycle I mentioned in oil and gas. So... I think that that has been a big challenge for a lot of companies looking to hire. And then candidates might notice that there are a ton of options and the AEC industry probably isn't going to be the highest bidder, but they might be the best fit for longevity and for your career and the direction in which you're wanting to go.
1: What are some of those industries that you're sort of competing against for engineering talent in the AEC industry? And like you said, engineers can go a lot of different directions in their career. They have a lot of options. So who are you competing against? And what are those things that you use to try and differentiate yourself? If you're not able to be the highest bidder and say, hey, we're going to pay you the most, what are those things that you try and really focus on to help a candidate see that they might be a, the best fit?
2: I really try to focus on what a particular candidate is looking for in terms of their career goal. Their end goal 20 years down the road, depending on who I'm talking to, or you know, the, the next three years. Are you going for your P.E.? And if so, are, is your company going to support you in that with time off, with study guides and mentoring, and are they going to pay for your licensure and your study materials, and all of those things? So... I try to delve into what would be your motivation if you were to look to make a transition. And I think that it's important to delve into, is the opportunity that you're in the right one for where you want to go? Because oftentimes people think if I'm talking to a recruiter, I'm obligated to make a move or even if I have a conversation. It means I'm unhappy. People are going to think I'm unhappy where I am and that should never be the case. You're just having a conversation with another industry professional and moving forward, you'll know more about those companies if you're willing to take the time to have those conversations.
1: So let's talk about the whole process, right? So obviously since the pandemic, all sorts of things are changed and, and things have moved more remote than they used to be. Almost every company used to have an on-site interview where you come and meet a bunch of different people. Some are doing that again, but some don't do that. So what do you see from your perspective with all the digital transformation trends, how the methods of recruiting have evolved and changed over the last few years to shift both on the client side and for companies, organizations, and for candidates in the industry?
2: I'll preface this with I'm in Oklahoma, so... We shut down for an entire two weeks, whether, you know, I won't say if I think that's right or wrong, but we didn't shut down for very long. So we very much still do. And ever since I've been with Wallace, we've done in-person interviews as a secondary interview process. If we're interviewing someone that is out of town, of course, we're still doing those virtually. And I know a lot of companies switched over to 100% virtual. I think it shows the flexibility. If you're willing to have those interviews remote, I do think that it's still important to invite candidates into your office if you're going to expect them to be in the office for any duration, whether it's once a month or three to five days a week, so that they know where they're going to be working, in what kind of environment, if they're going to have a door, if they're going to be in a bullpen, all of those things matter. So. I think that flexibility is the biggest piece of what you have to have to have a successful recruiting strategy. Yeah,
1: I think that makes plenty of sense as just the availability of time to be able to peel away, especially if someone has a job and, and other responsibilities to be able to have extra conversations with the potential employee or something like that, then it can be hard to to peel away to travel, to come for a few days or or for a full day or other things that flexibility can be. Really helpful. So as you're having these conversations then with candidates, what are those things that you try and do to really set yourself apart, right? Because if they have plenty of options, how do you show that your company, Wallace is, is a place that people should want to go? Can you share some specific examples of how you try and help during the sourcing part, the engagement, and then getting people into the right positions to be successful?
2: The candidate experience it is the most important piece because that's your reputation outside of your four walls, right? Whether you hire the person or you don't. And transparency has always been my go-to. And when I say transparency, I mean throughout the process. It's very conversational. I start out with a phone call with myself. And then we might do a virtual meeting with hiring managers, if not an in-person, whatever the candidate is comfortable with. And like to your earlier point, what they have time for. I feel like a lot of recruiters or companies will try and sell a candidate because they know that it's a tough market. People are hard to find. They're a little hesitant. So we really need to sell the company. But You don't know how to sell your company to this candidate or if the candidate is going to be a good fit unless you're just transparent about who they're going to be working for. What's their management style? How do they want to be recognized when they do something well? Is it money? Is it public recognition? Is it never public recognition? Because they would hate that. So you have to develop a good understanding of what the hiring manager wants this person to come in and do what type of personality is going to fit in well with your group? What kind of management style do you have? When something goes wrong and you're surprised by someone's decision-making, how do you counsel them on that? What's your go-to reaction in that situation? And then when you're delving into your candidates and their experiences, a lot of times you can tell by why they left a previous position. I like to ask people, tell me about your worst manager, not their name or which company, but just what was that experience like and what made it so bad? And then tell me about the best and what made them the best. So I think you can glean a lot from delving into what really motivates a person to continue to do their engineering and stay within their discipline and within that industry. I would say that just full transparency on pay as well. And benefits is super important. And you can kind of set the tone from the very first conversation of, hey, here's what I have to offer. And I just want to learn more about what you would be looking for. I love the
1: point of transparency all the way through. And, and really what this is doing as a recruiter and the candidate, you're trying to build this relationship, right? And whether or not it works out, the whole experience, like you said, is going to be spread and and especially in in a small world and people work together and things are going to hear if that was good or bad and you certainly don't want to put a bad taste in anyone's mouth to get anyone into your company or oversell and and then that not be the reality right so like what's your approach Jen as you try and foster relationships with candidates as you're building trust you talked about transparency and that that's a big deal but how does building that relationship really contribute to your success as a recruiter in the industry? And I'll also add, perhaps, do you have any thoughts or ideas on how candidates, if they're trying to build relationships with recruiters, how they can do that well?
2: We'll start with the first part of that question where I can only be successful in my role as a recruiter if I'm building, if I'm focusing Just as much time on fostering an understanding and a relationship with my internal clients, which would be my shareholders, my owners. So I like to know their overarching plan for the department or their team within a certain amount of time, whether that's three months, six months, or the next year. And that way I know who to keep a lookout for that could potentially be of interest down the road. And then your strategic hires, and then your tactical hires, which are your people that we need right now or production is going to be slowed down. So that's where I would start there. And that allows, if they're willing to, the more transparency they have with me to understand what their vision is, the better I am positioned to know when I find a person that could be of interest, even if it's not the person we need right now today and start to foster those relationships. To give you an example, I recently brought on a certain kind of engineer in our civil group. It took about a year for us to be in the position where this person would want to walk into this role, given the technology that they would need, the software, all of those things. So I was able to keep that relationship warm and that communication open throughout the last 12 months so that when the time was right, we were able to talk specifics. And again, I was able to be transparent from the start to the finish. I think that recruiters that are local to an area in which you would want to work would be a great start. And in my opinion, the more dedicated recruiters to their industry and to their clients or companies that they work for are going to be visible in the community you're going to see them at the american society of civil engineer meetings or fundraisers you're going to see them participating in the different organizations like society of women engineers those types of community functions so i think that anyone that you can identify that is with a company that you know you want to work with or that you just want information about, if they're responsive, then they're a recruiter that I would say is worth getting to know and build a relationship with. And a lot of our industry, and when I say our, I mean recruiters, a lot of our folks are involved in different organizations like ATAP and uh, SHRM and those different organizations. So we know people working in other industries and for companies around our local areas. So we would be able to make referrals to different companies. So even if you don't want to work for Wallace because you're not a structural or civil engineer, I might know somebody that works for a manufacturing firm that needs to hire a mechanical design engineer. It just
1: makes so much sense to be trying to build those relationships in a a bigger way instead of just seeing hey, I'm approaching a recruiter just as this transaction to try and get hired at this company, but you never know how else that recruiter might be able to help you, even if it doesn't work out at the particular company that the recruiter is typically working for. That's a great point. And vice versa, right? So even as a recruiter, you talk to a candidate, they might not be the right fit, but they're working with other engineers. They might know someone else who might be a great fit for what you're looking for. So all of that could work out if you approach things with with trust and, and transparency like you're talking about?
2: A lot of times in my recruiting strategy, what I'll do is reach out to people that know a candidate that I've identified that I want to get a hold of, but let's say they haven't returned a call. So I identify someone that's conne- a mutual connection. We touch base. I learn more about them that way. And then not only have I developed a relationship with the candidate that I wanted to as the end result, but now I also have this connection that can share networks or that I might be able to offer to help and make connections with so that, you know, they continue to give me referrals or continue to send people my way.
1: One of the things that's both difficult, but crucial or a big part of moving through working with a candidate and going through the recruiting process is negotiating salary. It's something that for some people can raise blood pressure a little bit, and talking about money can be uncomfortable. What techniques and strategies do you use to facilitate that being a positive and successful experience, both for the candidate and also you have you know constraints that you're dealing with from your client or the organization that you're recruiting for? How do you approach that in a positive way?
2: I typically don't Ask about salary until we've gotten through the meat and potatoes of our conversation, and we've had that 20 45 minutes to develop a little bit of a rapport. And oftentimes, that might not even be a part of the first conversation, depending on the candidate. It might be after they've met with the hiring managers and they've gotten, it, you know, even more excited about the opportunity. And then we walk back through those motivators. Again, you know, you said your motivation was more time off, a better work-life balance, that you wanted to have better health coverages at no cost to you, those kinds of things. Are we work back? Has any of this changed? Okay, well, now let's talk about your compensation, salary included, but let's talk about bonuses. Let's put it all together. And I do tell candidates that I work with that this is the conversation with me. And I'm going to be able to give you kind of a range. I can tell you how much wiggle room we might have if you're a little bit above that. If you're coming from out of state, maybe I can work on some expectations of the cost of living comparisons and and different things like that. So by the time I get to a salary conversation, I have a pretty good idea whether or not if they're going to be considerate of just that bottom line or if. They're more interested in the overall opportunity or the opportunity for ownership, those kinds of things. So we can really tailor our offer to best suit the candidate's needs.
1: There's some people have very strong opinions on whether all job postings and things should have salary ranges applied. And also, if not, at what point should a candidate ask that question or be forced to or asked to start talking about salary? Because sometimes it's just in the application, hey, what's your expected salary? And that feels weird to people before they've had those conversations. So what are your thoughts on on some of those issues?
2: I think a candidate should not, and I know it's easier said than done, but I don't think anyone should feel uncomfortable with talking about salary. And I have a lot of ideas for a different show on how we got there, but I think that Telling your recruiter up front, hey, this is how much I'm making now, but I know that I'm underpaid because of these things that I got from my company, and this is what I'm looking for. Or you can just say, this is what I'm looking for, and what are your thoughts as the recruiter? Is that, am I way out of the ballpark, or is this feasible? And I would even say I would encourage folks to apply for positions they're interested in, even if the salary range isn't more than what you're making now or your target salary number. You can always talk to your recruiter or your hiring manager and not to say you want to waste anyone's time, but I don't think any time is wasted when you're developing a relationship in your industry and in your community. So if the answer is we can't, this is a hard line and we can't pay more than X amount, well, okay, but if that ever changes, let me know. And if you ever have any questions, I'm open.
1: And I've seen that happen where Things originally were out of scope, both too high or too low, depending on the experience level of the candidate, but a company has been willing to flex and say, hey, we like you, we're going to adjust this role either to be larger than we originally thought and compensate you appropriately, or say, hey, we like you and you don't have as much experience, but we're going to grow you into this and we're going to start you at a lower level than we thought we were going to hire someone. Because sometimes that's just the right fit after you have some of those conversations. So uh, you never know up front. And thanks for answering that. I know it's a tricky subject and for a lot of people, but we're not going to solve all those issues on, on this conversation date. One of the things that's tricky, though, is that when you're recruiting, you're helping people move through a process of changing careers. And changing a career, you only do that a few times in your life, usually, maybe more often than it used to be, right? Like people aren't just staying in the same place for their whole careers used to be more common than it is now, but still, like, it's not something that happens every day, every week, every year. It's a big decision, right? It can be daunting to kind of move through that process and wonder, am I making the right decision? I'm going to the right place, right? So we've talked about some of these things, but any other thoughts on how you counsel candidates who are trying to consider and make sure that it's going to be the right fit for them?
2: I definitely do counsel candidates when it comes to mostly with passing candidates, which are people that I have reached out to for a position that Wallace is looking at. That being said, these people are living their day-to-day lives. And then here comes Jen with all this information and salary and numbers and, oh no, am I really being underpaid? Now I'm rethinking everything that makes sense, right? So it is a big decision, but it doesn't have to be one that is uncomfortable to talk about. And I think that what I've found from candidates, especially in the engineering world, is nobody wants to waste a hiring manager or a company's time. They feel like, potentially, if I don't take this job or it's not the right fit, then I'm burning a bridge. And it's when you're talking to a recruiter or even interviewing with a hiring manager that's just not the case. No one's looking at it as though you're wasting their time. You're just exploring an opportunity, you're curious, and you're gathering information. And I think it's something that people appreciate when you want to find out more about their company and what they're doing. So I would just encourage folks to enjoy that process and it, look at it as you know due diligence and versus wasting someone's time or the other side of that in my experience has been candidates are afraid will my boss find out that I talked to you and think that I'm unhappy because I raises are coming up in January or whatever the case might be and if you're working with a recruiter that is being transparent with you that is telling you about their process and their confidentiality those are not things that you should worry about i mean you could see that same recruiter at an industry event if they're involved And, you know, nobody would bat an eye if I'm caddying you at a golf tournament. So having a phone conversation is the same thing.
1: And you would hope that the current manager, the current organization would be like, hey, like, okay, well, that's up to us. If someone's interested in considering going somewhere else, then if we really want to keep this person, we need to make sure that we're doing what we can to make it a good place that they want to be. Hopefully look inside instead of, pointing fingers like, why aren't they being loyal? Right? So, you know, all of us need to take that responsibility for what we can do to, and if someone's unhappy, we would want them to find a better spot. Right?
2: Yes. Unfortunately, I'm not involved necessarily on that side of the process when someone is unhappy and, and talking with their manager about it. But we have had several instances in which folks come in and said, man, you know, I have this opportunity. I have recruiters knocking on my door, you know, are in my inbox every day. And so one of the things that I would like to do is work remotely more or take this continuing education or attend more conferences and make more presentations. And so it has, fortunately, opened up that dialogue so that we can meet those needs. I think it's important, as always, for employers to actively ask those questions. But a candidate or an employee should not be afraid to approach their boss and say, hey, I've become aware of a few other opportunities and I'm happy here. I like the work we do. But here are some of the things that I would like to see added to my responsibilities or taken away, whatever that looks like. And just we have an opportunity as employees, all of us, to really make that the norm, I feel.
1: I fully agree. And yeah, everyone needs to take that responsibility. to be That transparency idea needs to continue forward uh, throughout not just the candidacy and and joining the job, but throughout having that employment opportunity. Well, Jen, this has been such a fantastic conversation. I know we've already gotten a lot of value out of the discussion, but at this point, we're going to transition over to our Take Action Today segment. And when we come back, we'll get one final piece of actionable advice from Jen. We'll be right back. Now it's time for a Take Action Today segment of the show. Jen, we've discussed all sorts of things around the candidate experience, things from candidate and an employer side of recruiting and, and getting new roles. But let's talk specifically to those who are candidates who are trying to navigate their careers and all the different options they have. What's the final piece of advice you would share with them that they can take action on throughout their careers to make sure that they can continue to build a career that they're excited about?
2: Something I've always recommended and that really helps when it comes time to making those transitions is to keep a uh, running tough. all of your accomplishments, promotions, special projects, accolades that you've received from your boss, all of those things. If you can just type them into a note on your resume, you don't have to go into detail and make it professional, but it helps you remember, oh yeah, I worked 80 hours that week to sweep something across the finish line and get it out the door. And, you know, oftentimes we remember dates when we were promoted and how long we worked for a company, but we don't remember those special things that we went over and above on.
1: All right. So keep those things up to date so that you're always ready to be able to share that or doesn't take too much effort to be able to share that if an opportunity arises. So Jen, this has been a fabulous discussion. Thanks so much. I'm sure there are going to be people who are interested in connecting with you or learning more about Wallace Design or other things. Can you tell us how they can reach you or where you would point them to learn more?
2: So our website is wallace.design. And my email is jen.hubbard at wallace.design. And my direct line is 918-806 seven four three three if anybody wants to if email text or a phone call is easier i'm always available i hope people do want to reach out and i would love to help in any way i can
1: thanks so much jen for the conversation wish you and wallace design nothing but continued success
2: thank you you too i appreciate the time
1: i hope you enjoyed the episode today we would love to hear your feedback comments and questions you can go to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in the episode as well as links to any of the resources or websites that we mentioned during the episode. And don't forget to check out any upcoming live webinars this month at the website as well. Additionally, for any engineers who feel like they need extra help taking the next career step or finding clarity in their careers, I've created some free training resources with an opportunity to join a more intensive program called the Engineering Career Accelerator. You can find more information at engineeringcareeraccelerator.com or you can go grab my career clarity checklist found at www.engineeringcareeraccelerator.com slash career-clarity. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors.
0: Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.